Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, Intelligentsia, for another information-filled episode of the Jeffers Brief right here on Contra Radio Network. <clears throat> a little cold this morning, dropped into the 20s. Yeah, this place is a, just a joy to live in. All right, that's another issue. What I want to talk to you about, on the 21st of October, I did an episode entitled COG and what it means to you. What COG is, it means continuity of government plans. And I talked about how there are um, plans to ensure government survival but not so much for the ordinary American like you and I. But to continue in that vein, what I'd like to talk to you about today is, um, well, I took some notes. I was read, I was watching a show on the Thug Network. And um, I took some notes. Actually, I took like four pages of notes, maybe five. And I want to share it with you because I think it's important to understand something here. Now, we're going to go along with it, so bear with me. You might want to get pencil and paper out so you too can take notes, because this is kind of interesting. And it goes along with the continuity of government plans. Basically, if you're an elected official, you're going to be taken care of in a major incident. Well, it, and actually any incident, really. Ordinary Americans, well... They say, fuck you. What are you, you're just one of the peons. Don't forget, governments always has its own self-interest above that of its citizens. Doesn't matter what country you live in, that's just the fact of the matter. And the people in government, the elected officials, think that you work for them. Now, in some countries, that may, may be the case. I do know here in this country, well, it's supposed to work. They work for us. But they treat themselves like, oh boy. And don't forget, there's a, there's a symbiotic relationship between the politicians, the elected officials, and the wealthy citizens of our country. So when it comes to who gets taken care of, guess who's at the end of the line? That's right, you and I. So I had somebody ask me uh, uh, about eight, nine days ago, hey, why are, why are you a prepper? And I didn't have time to go into it all. But I thought, you know what? That's a great idea for a subject, a topic on my show. So let's get started with it. All right. Now the corona now I'll be reading from it because I took notes and I want to make sure I get it in here. So the coronavirus, the pandemic that we're in is the shot across the bow. And it's it's a shot across the bow and what happens when our institutions shut down. Now granted the shutdown was due to Democrat politicians who wanted to ensure that President Trump did not have any victories prior to the election 
and to make shutdowns as painful as possible for the population so Trump could be blamed. Now granted, you will hear from the mainstream media, well, Trump, Trump shut down the economy. That is not true. He did not shut down the economies. The state's governors shut down their economies. And they didn't care who they hurt. They didn't care. You and I are political fodder, period. We are to be used and discarded as the politicians seem, uh, see fit in their grand scheme of political machinations, all right? Now, the government says that after an incident, you could be on your own for 72 hours. Now, I'm talking about 72 hours to animal. You know, um, I guess if there's a major incident, and there may not, well, there doesn't have to be a major incident. All political and their wealthy elite supporters will always be taken care of. And it's because, well, they believe that they come first, the middle class and lower incomes will be on their own. And that's just the way it is. It's not correct and it's not right, but that is the reality that we must face as preppers. So 72 hours are uh, animals this. The government says you have to be on your own for 72 hours before made before you know during an incident before the government can come help you. Smart preppers understand it's really not 72 hours anymore. It could be it's more like 72 minutes to 72 seconds depending on what the major incident is. So this idea that, well, uh, you know, for, for, the, for those of you that aren't preppers, this idea that, oh yeah, you know, I just got to hang on. I just got to stockpile three days worth of food and water and Rainbow Land is here. It has arrived. I am taken care of. Not true. If you believe that, you are already in Rainbow Land. So figure it out. And we've seen how when, const, when our institutions have failed. Now, my friends, you have to remember something here. We have seen what happens when our institutions fail us. Whether it's the financial meltdown of 2008, and I will be talking about that shortly. But just alone in 2020, The financial institutions failed. Our basic institutions failed us. The only thing that didn't really fail was the electric company. Thank God. You flip on the switch, they got electricity. But the thing, but the fact is, it's such a thin veneer. And right now we're seeing as our supply lines, we are now witnessing just how vulnerable they really and truly are. Again, a very thin veneer for civilization. So, let's say this. Chaos breaks out. 
So I suggest you don't need just food and water, but firearms as well. In my opinion, every adult in your family or prepper group or patriot group, male and female, you should have at least an AR-15 and a handgun with a caliber of 9mm 38 and above. I would take nothing less than a, I would not take anything less than a 9mm 38. They're pretty much close to 9mm 38s. And I would have lots of ammo for those weapons because the fact is this. The elites will be taken care of. They'll have their private security forces and the military all sitting there backing them up. You and I don't get that luxury. What we do get is a bunch of crap. And we got to make something of it. So as much as the Democrats would love to sit there and take away your guns to make, to make you and I more dependent upon them, thus giving them more power like they need anymore, it's bad enough that the federal government has become the world's largest auction house. So, not only do your members need to have these firearms, they need to know how to use them. How to zero in an AR-15. How to zero in a rifle. How to use it, how to employ it. That's tactics, by the way. That's what I suggest we need. You're going to need lots of ammunition because there are going to be other people out there. Remember, this 72 hours to Rainbow Land is just that. It's in Rainbow Land. It's a fantasy. I would guess 72 minutes, given the incident. And you're going to have people panicking. You're going to have vast mobs of marauders looking to get what they should have had, but they've chose not to. They're coming to your house. And my friends, of my farmer friends, those that are in the agriculture industry and the breadbasket of this country, the people of the city have this bizarre fantasy that you have all kinds of stuff, supplies, things are bountiful in the country, and therefore we're going out into the farmlands to get what we want. You're going, what are you going to do? Use words. Use your words. You know what? Here, here, here's two words for you. Fuck you. You're not getting shit from me. That's just a fact. That's reality, my friends. Don't forget. If you've ever been to a big city, you see everybody looking at their cell phone, they're freaking zombies. They walk down the street more worried about whether people like something they posted on Disgrace Book. Do you like my picture? This is what I'm having for lunch. More worried about what the latest celebrity news is, who I think are probably the most useless segment of our society, is the entertainment industry. Absolutely useless. Filled with useless people who produce nothing because they play pretend. Let's pretend I'm a submarine commander. I'll, okay, I'll play the president. Yeah, okay. You know what? Go away. 
Go away and die. You know, in the old West, actors and actresses were considered one step above a horse rustler. Cattle rustlers, chicken rustlers, whatever. That's how useless they are. And yet somehow they get paid vast sums of money for playing. Let's pretend. So what happens when people suddenly become poor? We saw this during the pandemic. Just last year, 17 million Americans lost their jobs. And the politicians didn't care. What they did say is, we're all in this together. We have to flatten the curve. Really? We're, we're, we're all in this together? I don't see you not, you know, not taking a paycheck. I don't see you having to slaughter your livestock. I don't see you having to dump your crops and destroy them because you can't get them to market. I don't see you not being able to pay your bills. So are we really in this together? No, we are not. Every politician kept getting their paycheck. I have not heard of one politician on any level of government who said, no, I don't want my paycheck. It's not right. My, my constituents are going without, therefore I must go too. No, you didn't see that, you didn't hear that because it didn't happen. By God, and you better keep paying your taxes. You know, here in, in Lake County, they came, <laughs> I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? They come out and they say, you know, we know, you know, everybody's having a tough time right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, what, 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 did they, what did they put forth? They put forth some goofy plan to help alleviate your, your property tax burden. So instead of cutting taxes and saying, look, we understand nobody, you know, you're going to lose your house and all that stuff that goes off not paying your property tax. They instead added uh, two options, one for the first payment, one for the second payment for your property tax. It didn't go down. It's the same amount of money. And there were certain people who said, oh, they care about us so much. No, they don't. You still have to pay your property tax, and by God, you better pay it. But I don't have any money. Oh, we don't care. Well, of course you don't care, because you know what? You still got your paycheck. So when people become poor, when basic institutions fail, we know what happens. History shows us Time and again, you will see massive waves of authoritarianism and fascism. Case in point, the Weimar Republic gave rise to Hitler. You saw what happened with Stalin. You see these over and over again. Government must maintain control. Maintain its self-interest over you. Now, what if, and I, I'm not saying we are, what if by seeing just how vulnerable our supply chains are right now, are we, are we in the first stages of a collapse? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you that. 
But because of the shortages we're seeing, and they're out there, I told you about this about a month, month and a half ago. I actually had a friend of mine come up and say, do you really think there's shortages? I said, sweetheart, I was at the store three days ago. One of the big stores here in Chicago, it's uh, Jewel. I think they're overpriced. I don't go there that often. But whatever reason, I was there. I forgot why we were there. But anyway, I was there. And I was picking up a few items. And I went down the uh, this aisle, right? And I noticed there's a big empty space on the shelf. Now, Jewel is owned by Albertsons. Albertsons is one of the larger, you know, grocery chains here in the country. And there is no, there is no, not any, Mott's applesauce products on the shelf. They had other brands, but I'm thinking Mott's. Mott's is one of the big national brands. You go anywhere in the country, you can get Mott's applesauce. But yet, there it was, not on the shelf. I'm thinking to myself, hmm. The next day, I headed over to Walmart because I had to grab some. For some reason, not many people carry my dog's preferred dog food. He loves nature's recipe. And I had been able to get it. So I thought, you know what, let me run in here real quick to Walmart, see if I can get a case of it real quick. So I go in there, and I see, uh, oh, wait a minute, we got, we've got, this is a sale, and I know about the shortages. I grab a couple cases of every canned vegetable I can find. At 50 cents a can, it was like $6 for a case. So I grab, you know, do, 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 do. I'm grabbing it, right? I did, by the way, find one case of his favorite dog food, so I grabbed that. And I got people looking at me, and I don't say a word. It's like, you know what? If you are so obtuse, so involved, and, and everything that is not important in your life, screw you. You deserve to die off with the rest of them. But I did see one guy. I just happened, and he had, now, now look, I'm not criticizing this guy at all. Don't get me wrong. He was scooping off uh, cans of Spam. Now I figure, one, he, he probably really likes it, or two, he's Hawaiian, because you go to Hawaii, Spam is used in a lot of stuff, and they do a good job of it. Regardless, I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of watching his cart, and he doesn't even, his situational awareness was zero, the big zero, right? So he doesn't even know I'm watching, and, I, and I'm like seven feet away. See, when I go shopping, I'm watching everything going on around me, especially now during a shortage. I'm watching everything. Especially when I go and um, walking from the store to my truck so I can get the hell out of there. I mean, who the hell, I mean, when you're in the parking lot with your groceries and stuff, that's when you're at your most vulnerable. You would better be paying attention to what's going on. Anyways, getting back to it. So, what we're doing is, so that's just like, you know, I, so I'm buying all these vegetables, right? So I got, you know, I picked up I, I, all the basic vegetables. No, nothing crazy, no, nothing insane. But I still got it, right? And I see people just walking around, do, do, do. It's like, in a, 
by the end of this month, and my guess, my guess is at the end of the month, the shortages are going to be more apparent, and I'll tell you why. It matters not that the jackass in the White House and his minions have told, have asked, have asked, not ordered, asked the ports to stay open 24/7. Well, that's fine. But the fact still remains: you can only unload a cargo, so many cargo ships in a 24-hour period. The same is true with the trucks. They bring the semis in, they load them up, and they leave. You can only load up so many trucks in 24 hours. It could be a 48-hour day. You could still only load so many trucks and unload so many cargo ships in that time period. And that's if everybody is all the cogs in that particular industry are working at peak efficiency. It matters not. Now, some of you may have heard this. Some of the cargo ships have been sitting for weeks off the California coast because they can't get into unload. Governor DeSantis says, hey, bring your ships to Florida. They're doing it. Those shipping lines have determined it is cheaper for them to take their ship, take their cargo ship from the west coast of California through the canal zone up to Florida to unload it as cheaper to do that than to continue city waiting your turn to get into the ports. And I got a question, and I don't know the answer to this, maybe you might. How much influence do the Chinese have over our ports? Is there financial incentives? Do they own part of it? I don't know. But know this, my friends. We are in direct head-to-head -head conflict with the Chinese. The only thing that hasn't started is the shooting. And that could very well come. Now that jackass in the White House says, well, I'm not worried about a war with China. Well, of course you're not. You're on the take from them, you bozo. Hasn't got the brains God gave trees. Didn't He didn't when he first got into politics, and he ain't got any better since then. <coughs> so, now I don't know how, I, this is something new. I didn't know this. The Federal Reserve, okay, the government has decided that in the case of a complete collapse, whether it's from an EMP, a nuclear war, whatever, and most of the middle class and low-income people are dead, there will be some survivors so they so that the government figures well we got to get them work but we have to pay them we have to pay the workers but wait there, there's a catch don't forget whatever the government give giveth the government taketh away through the IRS so the Federal Reserve has had, government planners live in, a, in rainbow land they think that if there's a nuclear catastrophe or an EMP or whatever they're going to dust off the shelf. Oh, look what I got here. I got the plan right here. This is what they've done, right? So the Federal Reserve has constructed its own bunker under the Virginia mountains. Did you know that? It's called Mount Pony. 
And one hallway stretches for about 100 yards, length of a football field. It's a concrete hallway, fluorescent lighting, and heavy steel doors uh, around each room. What's really, what really threw me was this. Um, one vault, which was once the largest in the world at 22,500 square feet, where there are billions of dollars of U.S. currency is stored. It contains row after row of nine-foot stacks of cash, 700 million pieces of currency. Much of it is in the form of $2 bills. Now, how many of you re remember when the $2 bills came out nobody's really using them? Well, the government figures, you know what? We printed them. We're just going to take, take them back and we'll store them. Because they figure, you know what? Come hell or high water for those those that do survive. And if you're working, you got to get paid. You're going to get paid in any form you can. So there's the $2 bills. Now, the plan calls, <laughs> calls for enough currency to supply the country east of the Mississippi for two years. They figure it'll take them two years so the Bureau of Engraving and Stamping can get up and running again and start printing money. Now, for the rest of the country, there are other depositories scattered around the country under military bases and in uh, certain mines. Now, the flood, the, this plan also calls for the government to take back that money enter the IRS. So they still want to collect taxes. They failed to protect your family and you. There's a massive failure, but you still, they want to get paid their, their income tax. <laughs> That's how delusional these people are. Now, if you don't believe me uh, about how the government will take care of its wealthy supporters and themselves, look back at the subprime mortgage crisis uh, in 2008. The economic collapse was in full swing. And remember, you remember, remember the slogan, too big to fail? Remember that? The elites who caused the collapse got rescued by one of the Fed's doomsday plans. We'll print the money and then we'll just keep right on going like there's no problem. So that's let me get back to my other page here with notes because this is good stuff. So that, this idea that this is pulled out of the ass, no. This is part of the Federal Reserve's economic doomsday plan. They dusted it off. So the government saved the financial institutions, one who caused the subprime meltdown because of their unmitigated greed, knew no bounds, but they did nothing for the average American citizen. And how so? Well, let's look at this way. Um, 45 billion taxpayer dollars, that's our money, went to JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley, who in turn, get this, paid out $18 billion of that to bonuses in bonuses to their bankers and other executives. So not only did they cause the crisis, the government says, well, we're going to take care of it because you're just too big to fail. We're going to give you all this money. 
And they, go, and they said, well, okay. So they took that money and they gave themselves, an, and out of 45 billion, they took 18 billion to pay, give themselves a raise and a bonus. However, of the $475 billion authorized by Congress, only 6% of that money went to underwater homeowners. Only 6%. The rest, 94%, went to banks and financial institutions. And two years later, my friends, this is, this is where, you know, again, this is how the government takes care of the wealthy. Remember, it's the wealthy that give all those donations and all that money to the politicians for their re-election campaigns. The government, Congress, the legislative branch, and to a certain extent the executive branch, has become the world's greatest auction house. You want me to do this for you? I need some uh, campaign contributions of, to make sure I get this taken care of so I get re-elected. Oh, okay. And they shove it out. That's why the government and the wealthy elites have that symbiotic relationship. So, two years later, from 2009 to 2011, the bottom 93% of household incomes, net worth, saw a drop of 4%. That is, in 2009, the average net worth per household was about $139,896. In 2011, the net worth per household was $133,817. Now the wealthiest 7% saw a gain of 28%. And, all right, so from 2009, they, the average uh, net worth per household, the wealthiest 7% was $2.4 million. By 2011, it was up to $3.1 million. So the elite get protected, and the rest of us, well, not so much. This is why you're a prepper. You've got to take care of yourself. The government has made it abundantly clear their self-interest are far above yours. All you're here to do is, is to work, Pay your taxes. The wealthy, they'll still get it. They're still going to get their money, and they will still go to the auction house and buy the legislation that makes them, that keeps them their wealth. That's just the bottom line, friends. I mean, there's no, there's no other explanation for it. So if you're going to be a prepper, be a prepper. But you be a prepper for the right reasons. So in 2009, 2011, it's this scenario that sets up the uh, the Tea Party on the right and the Occupy movement on the left. That's your history lesson for today, boys and girls. I don't um, think we should punish people who are successful. However, when they're caught doing bad, they should face the same justice that you and I would face. 
number of reasons that they don't. Mainly because it's not politically advantageous. That's the bottom line. So when you think about, when you see, you know, I talked about how Congress last week, uh, I talked about how Congress wants to put a, a price on your life. They want to renegotiate drug prices with the pharmaceuticals, but only certain drugs. So, so Congress, who has no business doing anything, really, because they're useless and can't be trusted worth a shit, um, has decided that they will decide what medicines you can have and which ones you can't when you're on Medicare. Now, there are people saying, you know, socialism is bad. Well, I agree, for the most part. But let's be honest. There are socialistic aspects in our government right now. Medicare, Social Security. You can even argue, you know, you can't argue that because that doesn't happen. I was going to say, you could look at the IRS, income tax. Well, the fact of the matter is, you and I don't make enough money to qualify for these loopholes that some of these very wealthy people make. There. So I became a prepper because I realized a lot of these things, and I'm sure you have too. Now, being a prepper does not guarantee my survival. It doesn't. It hedges the bets a bit, but there's no way a guarantee that I'll actually, that I or my family will actually survive. There's just no guarantee of it. No guarantee from the long term to going back to the actual incident itself. Where are you? What are you doing? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, if there's a tornado and it lands a block from my house, there's a good possibility I won't survive. Just isn't. But this doesn't mean there's nothing I can't do to negate that possibility and give myself a little bit more of an edge to survive. And it's the same with you and your family. So when you become a prepper, you, have, you understand the government is not there to take care of you. You are so far down the laundry list of items to take care of, it ain't funny. It just isn't. And that's it for today. Now, for you preppers out there, and for you new people, especially around the, the world, by the way, Nebraska? Nebraska's joined the family here. They're starting to kick in. And all around the uh, world, thank you. I appreciate it. Please continue on. New Mexico. There's a, I, I, I think I read off the list last week. But I noticed Nebraska is high up there. Iowa, once again, was up there. But right now, let's talk about, for you preppers out there, and even for you patriots, you might want to consider this. Uh, every radio frequency that every prepper should know. Um, radios. They may seem a bit old-fashioned in the information age with everyone connected through their zombie smartphones and computers. But the fact is that radio is still one of the most effective means of communication out there. Now, 
Um, this is from Urban Survival Site. Who, who wrote this? This is a good one. And I want to put it out there because it's important. Rich Murphy. Good job, Rich. Thanks. Uh, he says he just recently talked with an emergency worker who was in New Orleans immediately after Hurricane Ida hit. And if it hadn't been for radios, the rescuers wouldn't have had any communications at all. The nice thing about radios is that they are not dependent on the same infrastructure that our other means of communications are. Telephone and internet are much more complex systems. Even television is more complex, requiring more sophisticated equipment and considerably more power, which, by the way, we talked about the vulnerabilities of the U.S. power grid last week. Yet even a small radio running off of batteries can provide instantaneous communications near and far. All mediums of communication are required to have backup power per the FCC regulations. Even so, the local cell phone tower isn't going to have a backup generator connected to it, keeping it up and running. That is true. They just have batteries in there. I know. I've been in those cell towers. I know it's in there. The local landline phone company will, but that's not going to do you any good, even those who have still landlines, as our modern cordless phones don't work if the base isn't connected to the house's electrical power. That's why you always keep the corded. You keep the cord, you know, the old landlines. Don't use a cordless. Use a corded, because that runs on a different power wave. I believe it runs on AC, not DC. No, is it DC or AC? I don't remember. But it runs on a different uh, power system than your household electric. Okay, but radio can work off the reserve power for a minimum of three days. In some cases, it might even have fuel to last even longer. Of course, you know, there's no guarantee that the power company will get power back on in three days or that more fuel will be available, but it's a start, okay? And it's better that we find that we can find other means of mass communications. Of course, broadcast radio isn't the only way that radio is used. Almost every government agency uses radio for communications, from the local level all the way up to the federal government. While we can't legally cut in those conversations and talk to them, we can listen in on what they are saying, including any broadcast that they are doing which provides information about rescue and relief operations after, of course, they're all taken care of first. All it takes is the right sort of radio. Now, in addition to that, you might want some sort of portable radios for your survival team's use. Being able to communicate between team members when phones are down is an essential part of working together. Just make sure your team picks something that will work for everyone in your team, giving you the range that you'll need. So, next question is, what sort of radios should we have? The radios you select are going to limit what you can do, so it's important to make sure you've got the right sort of gear. There is quite a variety out there with different radios intended for different purposes. Making the right, dis, uh, right selections is important, as you can't listen in on a frequency that you don't have. So here are a few things to consider. Ham radio. The ham radio network is the most effective communications network in the world, allowing its members to converse and or pass along messages worldwide. They are so effective that they perform backup communication services for government organizations at all levels, as well as providing military personnel overseas the ability to call home and talk to family. That is true. The only problem is that the talk on the ham radio frequencies is yet to be licensed. Which, by the way, I have. They've taken the Morse code element out of the licensing requirements, but you still need to take a class about radio propagation and pass a test to get even the most basic license, which would be your technician license. 
uh, shortwave radio. A ham license is only required to talk. Anyone can listen in on those transmissions if they have a radio receiver which picks up on the right frequency. A shortwave radio allows that, as well as picking up a whole lot more. When looking at shortwave radios, the key is to finding which one covers the most possible frequencies. Digital ones are better for dialing in on a particular frequency, but an analog dial will work also. Then you have the police scanner. Eh, let's see what they have to say here. Police, fire, and other emergency service providers have their own radio frequencies in which they operate on. While some police communications are encrypted, that's okay, they did talk, they did say that. Most are still available to listen in on. They can be heard on some shortwave radios, but a police scanner allows you to scan through all police and fire frequencies in your area, only listen in when someone is transmitting. Then, of course, I talked about this a couple months ago, Citizens Band, the CB. Now, they aren't anywhere near as popular as it once was, but there's still a lot of people who communicate over it, including some prepper groups. Uh, uh, CB no longer requires a license to operate and will transmit for a range of 3 to 20 miles depending on the terrain, your antenna type, and how many others are using that channel at that time. That's why you got to get the sidebands too. Right, well, little single sideband, SSB, radio will transmit roughly three times the range, but that requires that SSB radios be in use at both ends of the conversation. Walkie-talkies are nothing more than hand handheld CB radios, including the children's walkie-talkies, because they work on the same frequency. Then you have business band radios, another category of walkie-talkies manufactured specifically for use by businesses which need short-range radio communications. Case in point, Menards, Home Depot, that kind of thing. Now, depending on the type of radio, its power, the frequency, and the terrain, they can transmit up to 15 miles on open terrain. To get that, single sideband radios are needed. Non-single sideband radios will give a maximum range of six miles on open terrain and about four miles in the city. Then you have specialty radios. Now specialty radios, there are several different types and they're used for specific applications such as marine radios or aviation radios. Should your survival plans include a boat or aircraft, or should a team member have those, you might, you might want to consider adding those radios to your collection. I think it's a good idea. You probably should. Then you have emergency radio frequencies. Now look, there's a lot of different radio uh, frequencies which are used for one type of emergency communications or the other, mostly because there are a lot of different organizations that deal with emergencies at a variety of different levels. So to avoid confusion, most of those agencies need to have their own frequencies where their personnel can communicate without interference from other organizations. But since it is a radio and the airways belong to everyone, anyone can listen in. You just can't talk on those frequencies. You probably could in an emergency, but sometimes it's better to be silent and listen in. So, general emergency frequencies. Lots of emergency frequencies out there. Um, I'm going to try and cover some of them for you. Some of the more important frequencies that are used for emergency communications on an international basis. While some won't apply to you, this includes everybody around the planet listening to my show, they may still be useful 
to have at some time as there are frequencies that are constantly monitored. Get your pencil and paper ready right now. I'm going to give you a minute here. I'm going to give you the frequencies. You got it? Let's begin. 2182 kilohertz, KHZ. That's the International Maritime Distress Frequency for Radio Telephony. 4340 kilohertz, NATO Combined Submarine Distress. 8364 kilohertz, Survival craft. 39, it's correction, 34.90 megahertz, often used by the National Guard for emergency purposes. 39.46 megahertz, state and local police forces for interdepartmental emergency communications. In Illinois, we have that. 47.42 uh, megahertz, Red Cross relief operations. 121.5 megahertz, International Aeronautical Emergency Frequency. That's the Mayday frequency. 138.225 megahertz, FEMA disaster relief operations. 151.940 megahertz, emergency channel used by preppers. 154.52 megahertz, local fire departments for interdepartmental emergency communications. 155.60 megahertz, State and local agencies for interdepartmental emergency communications. 156.050 megahertz, port operations. 156.700 megahertz, port operations. 156.75 megahertz. International News Channel with Broadcast Maritime Weather. 156.80 megahertz. That's VHF Channel 16. Global Emergency Radio Transmissions. If you have your old TV, turn on Channel 16 to very high frequency. Some of them have it. 156.85 megahertz, international maritime distress calling and safety frequency. 163.4875, another frequency often used by the National Guard for emergency operations. 157.125 megahertz, U.S. government only. 157.150 megahertz, U.S. Coast Guard. 243.0 megahertz, NATO Combined Distress and Emergency Frequency. 
406.0, emergency position indicating locator beacon. That's the, uh, the, uh, the Saturn. Now the Saturn system is the Salvation Army Emergency Team, I'm sorry, Salvation Army Team Emergency Radio. These frequencies are used by Salvation Army in their assistance efforts during and after disasters. So for Saturn, 38.080 megahertz, Caribbean weather information. 38.450 megahertz, Gulf Coast. 38.625 megahertz, Mississippi area traffic. 38.650 megahertz, West Virginia emergency. 38.725 megahertz, Hurricane information. 38.730 megahertz, West and Central Gulf Aries, Louisiana Aries, and Mississippi Aries. 39.100 megahertz, Central Texas emergency, Mississippi Aries, and Louisiana traffic. 39.230 megahertz, Mississippi Aries, North Carolina Aries. 39.250 Central Gulf Hurricane, Louisiana Emergencies. 39.270 MHz North Carolina Aries. 39.350 MHz Central Gulf Coast Hurricane, Louisiana Aries, Texas Aries, Mississippi Aries, and Alabama Emergencies. 39.400 MHz Southern Florida Emergency. 39.440 MHz West Gulf Coast Emergency. 39.500 MHz Hurricane Watch Northern Florida Emergency. Many, many, many. And don't forget your NOAA weather radio. Now those are so, you don't have to even program them. They just, they're already pre-programmed for you. Uh, you know, once upon a time, you could go to your local Radio Shack store and they could give you that information for emergency services, that kind of thing. Unfortunately, most of their stores are closed now, but if you have one in your area, you might try asking. Another option is try looking it up on radioreference.com. Now, their listings aren't fully complete, but they can provide a lot of information for you. A third way to find the frequency is with the high-end police scanner, which will scan through all the possible frequencies looking for traffic. When something is heard, it will come through the speaker. By taking note of the frequency and type of traffic that is, going over that frequency, it can, it can be possible to deduce what that particular police channel is being used for. Now, for the CBs, most of the ones I am, you know, I grew up on the CB craze. At the one, when I first started, there was only 23 channels, now they're up to 40. But some of which apply to those preppers, now these channels are not owned by any group. So there may be traffic on there as well. Nevertheless, knowing these channels can help to find others in a time of crisis. So channel three. Channel three is at 
0.985 megahertz. That's the Prepper CB network. Channel 4 at 27.005 megahertz is the American Preppers network. Channel 9 at 27.065 megahertz is the Universal CB Emergency and the REACT channel, which is Radio Emergency Associated Communications Team. Channel 13 at 27.115 megahertz is typically used in campgrounds and marinas. Channel 14 at 27.125 megahertz, that's the children's walkie-talkie frequency. Channel 15 at 27.135 megahertz is used by truckers in California. Channel 17 at 27.165 megahertz is also used by truckers in California when, hitting, when heading east or west. And of course, channel 19 at 27.185 megahertz, that's the main trucker channel. That's the one I listen to when traveling around the country. Uh, channel 36 at 27.365 megahertz, that's the survivalist network. And channel 37 at 27.375 megahertz is Prepper 37 USB. In addition to these standard CB channels, there was what is known as free band CB. While I understand this is technically illegal, there are CB radios which are out there which are sold that have the capability to communicate on these frequencies, and they're all single sideband frequencies. So freeband 27.3680 megahertz is the survivalist network. Freeband 27.3780 megahertz is the prepper network. And freeband 27.4250 megahertz is the survivalist network. There, you got a bunch of frequencies and what I suggest is go ahead and just listen in. When you're writing down, if I went too fast, push your pause button on your player, write it down, go to the next one, push play, that kind of thing. All right, now I realize that normally my shows only go like a half hour. The last two shows have been almost an hour. I don't like to go that long because, you know, it's a lot of information to digest. So in the meantime, thank you for listening. Prep today, live tomorrow. Because the government ain't coming to help you. If it's a major incident, major critical incident, you're way down on the list like the rest of us. You can only depend on yourself. Even if you're part of a group, the bottom line is you can only depend on yourself. It helps if you're with preppers. And uh, maybe we need to talk about different kind of prepper members or mentalities you may end up dealing with and how to deal with them. I don't know. Let me uh, look into it, see if we can do a show about that, because I think that's important, especially if you've got a prepper group. As always, don't forget Dave Kirshner on the lightning round. He's got some good stuff, good stuff. You don't want to miss it. And, of course, uh, Anthony Williams on the independent mouth. Good stuff, good stuff, I'm telling you. And on occasion, if I could, I got to get a hold of those guys, uh, Chuck and Dersh. That's on, uh, they do uh, 
they do their own show. Uh, what, is it, what is it called? Oh, the Right Side of Politics with Chuck and Dirsch. That's the name of their show. They're so damned inconsistent during their shows. And it's like, you know, it's like, come on, guys. you got to get more consistent with it. I mean, I don't know what's going on with them. I should get a hold of find what's going on. Anyways, hey, don't forget Prepping 2.0. Again, good stuff. Check it out. Listen to them. We got plenty of stuff here on CRN. All right. Oh, and by the way, if you want to do a show here on Contra Radio Network, get a hold of me. Contra Radio at Live.com. Contra Radio at Live.com. Send me an email. All right. We'll talk about getting you doing your own show. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a show now, believe it or not, internationally. Uh, got a uh, message through, what was it? Through LinkedIn. A guy in Albania wants to do a podcast there. Of course, if you speak Albanian, you're good to go. If you don't, don't worry about it. You don't need to know about it anyways. Seriously. He says, you know, he says, I've got a lot to say. The government won't, isn't going to be happy about it. I said, well, do this. I said, why don't you do your show, record it, you send it to me. I put it up on Contra Radio Network and don't use your real name. And don't do any live broadcast. Record them, send them to me, I'll put it out there. So that's in the works now. We'll see how that turns out. Very interesting. Uh, if you want to talk about Albania, is that it is the Wild West of capitalism. And by Wild West, they steal logos. They use, uh, I think I told you about it. Uh, instead of Kentucky Fried Chicken, they have Tirana Fried Chicken. And they use the same logo as KFC. <laughs> What's the other one? Uh, they steal the Nike logo. Uh, I mean, they, I mean, it's it's the wild west of capitalism. My, my my response is, what do you expect after 50, 60 years of communist rule? They there are no respecters of logos or you know your trademarks or anything else. They're out there rocking and rolling. So, like I said, it's the wild west of capitalism. All right. Until next week, I'm John Jeffers. Thanks for listening. And again, prep today, live tomorrow. I'm John Jeffers. We'll see you next week, Intelligentsia.